Kira, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Kira Wellington, this is B-Side Stories, the stories of the people who make Wellington tick. I'm super excited to be back in the studio. Today we're talking about a topic that's dear to my heart which is Play Centre. Regular listeners will know that quite a few of my guests end up being people I met through Play Centre. And I think that Play Centre produces people who make Wellington tick and attracts people who make Wellington tick. It's a, if you don't know what it is, it's a parent cooperative, a model of early childhood education, and it was created here in Wellington in 1941. It's an organisation that was unique to New Zealand until quite recently when some centres opened in Japan. And Playcent has recently been in the news for receiving less than 1% of ECE funding, despite educating over 7% of New Zealand's preschoolers. So as a parent in childhood service, there's definitely a whole lot of interesting people there, and obviously I've met quite a few of them. And so today I was going to have three of them here. So far we've got one, <laughs> due to the traffic, which is Jesse Perini. Did I pronounce your last name right? Yeah, yeah, So Jesse is a play centre parent uh, at Howden Valley Play Centre, and we're hoping also to have Kate Metcalf. And our third guest, Flick Morris, has been unavoidably delayed. So um, we're just going to hopefully make do with two. At the moment, it's just one. <laughs> hey, Jesse. <laughs> Hi, Sadie. So can you just give me a little um, introduction to yourself? Centre? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name's Jesse. We. Um, my partner Kate and I, we have two kids, uh, two daughters, Awa and Coco. Awa is three, just over three years, and Coco is probably about four and a half months now. And um, we moved into um, back down to Wellington from Auckland when... Hey, it's Kate. Okay, can you share a mic because the other one's not working? Kia ora koutou, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. So Jesse's just introducing himself. Yeah, so I was just saying how we got involved in Play Centre. Um, we moved down to Wellington, uh, back home to Wellington and to Melrose. And Awa would have been about uh, almost one and a half. And I was just talking to Sadie about this before and she she said that's probably about the age when kids need more um, other kids, you know, they need want to spend more time with other kids. And so Kate um, took Awa to the Houghton Valley Play Centre, which is probably a 10-minute walk from our house. So really close, really convenient. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's how we got into it. Okay. Mm. Cool. And now you have, yeah, so you've got Coco as well now. So different experience for a little bubby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I guess I'll talk a bit about how often we go and that kind of thing. So... Kate takes Coco on, um, or takes Awa and Coco on a Monday, and I take just Awa on a Thursday to the um, Reorua session, which is a bilingual session. And how did I can't remember how that came about, but I guess when Kate first started, I was confused about what Play Centre actually was and how it worked. And I wonder if this is something that um, lots of people have, and I was just reflecting on the way here that. Before Playcenter, I was so used to thinking about um, services, like childcare services that are provided to you. So you pay and you get given something. And Playcenter is a totally different model in that you are you become part of the community and 
you end up giving a lot and simultaneously getting a lot. I think the more that we've become involved, um, the more we've got out of it. But I still find it tricky to explain to other people. So when I try to explain placing to the people, they're always saying, oh, so how, how long can you leave your kids there for? Um, and I don't think it's really about that Um, I guess the things that I've really got out of Play Centre is being part of a community organisation so we're all part of running it and it has taken me a long time to figure out how things work and what's going on and I still think you know I have um, I've learnt lots but there's still a lot to learn and so uh, it would have been great to have Flick here who has kind of been around Play Centre for a long time and knows how everything works. Um, Kate's been around Play Centre for a long time too, so yeah, <laughs> she'll yeah. have that covered. Um, so yeah, being part of that, just being part of a community organisation and learning a lot about how to be a parent. So I just recently I was, um, I think it must have been during lockdown, Kate was having a meeting online with her Monday team and... They just started talking about their kids and what they were doing and what they hoped their kids would learn and how they could support their kids to do different things. And it, and it just struck me as this most amazing parent support group mm-hmm. where everyone's talking about um, what they want for their kids, what they're kind of worried about, and, and other people who will interact with their kids uh, on a weekly basis are saying, oh, well, we could do these things. We could offer this sort of stuff. Maybe we could approach you know, some tricky situation in this way or that way. And it was just kind of this great hive mind of people um, sharing ideas and experience. And, and I just thought that's something that I don't know where I should get that. Yeah, because it's a real funno learning kind of scenario rather than just the kids come in, they learn some stuff and you pick them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think that was something I was thinking about. It's not just about... Preschoolers, it's a whole yeah, it's a whole fun I think. Mm. Mm. So, Kate, do you want to give us an intro about um, yourself, who you are, and how you came to be part of Play Centre? Um, sure. Uh, kia ora koutou. Um, so, my name is Kate, and I have three sons, two of whom are now at high school, and one is at primary school still. Um, and I went to Play Centre with all three of my boys. I went to Houghton Valley Play Centre as well. Um, and actually, when I had my first son, despite being a Play Centre child myself, I didn't actually think that's where I would end up. I felt really committed to bringing my children up bilingually. So we looked around some of the kohanga around Wellington, and we enrolled in a kohanga in Newtown. And um, we actually were there... I don't know, maybe hours, (laughs) not long at all. And it was interesting hearing Jessie say, you know, it was at one and a half, when our was one and a half, they were looking around because maybe that was the time that children needed something else. Well, actually, I was looking around when Miha was six months old because that's when I needed something else. Mm. So I had a really strong professional identity. I had my first child and that was a delight. But I was also a bit lost into where I fitted and who I was. So... We enrolled in Kohangadil, went along. There was some amazing kayako there who um, obviously spoke the reo with the kids. And I thought, oh, amazing, I thought for the first half an hour. And then for the second half an hour, I thought, oh, where do I fit? Where do I fit here? 
And then I realised actually none of the parents were present and I didn't feel like I fitted at all. Um, And so I thought about that and then I thought, well, you know, I know what play centre is and I know how I can belong at play centre and if I really value my children being brought up in a bilingual environment, then it's my responsibility in a parents' collective to bring bilingualism into play centre. So the Rewurua session that Jessie referred to, that was something that I was really committed to and actually was able to help make happen at Houghton Valley Play Centre. So you were also a Play Centre child, weren't you? Yeah, so I grew up in a small rural town. Um, play Centre was probably the only thing that parents had available to them. Um, it was also the 70s and the parents were really... Um, There was a really strong, certainly in my town, there was a really strong sense of collectivism, uh, that idea of um, the village raising the child, and play centre in my town was a place where families gathered. It was really strongly a place where um, actually adults that you would, I still know um, adults and children that I went to play centre with, Um, partly that's being from a small town, but I'm sure my children will also know adults and children that they went to play centre with when they're adults. So do you mean that those adults have taken their own children to play centre now? I mean they've taken them to play centre, but also that they're still in my lives. Mm. So those relationships were enduring relationships, and I think it doesn't mean, you know, the kids you went to play centre with are your best friends, but it means that they're part of your extended whānau. And I think that's true of my city kids as well. Yeah, so the whole whānau aspect is really coming through. And how would you define that when it comes to play centre? Because I don't think we're just talking about mum, dad, two kids, eh? Oh, what do you reckon, Jessie? Um, how do you mean not just mum, dad and two kids? Well, I'm thinking it's like, so Kate was talking about the place into whānau as if that's something bigger. Mm. I, get, I, I mean, like, I definitely feel this kind of connection to community. And I don't think I had, it was part of organisations that are like that. So I've learnt a lot about um, consensus decision making and um, the struggles around that. Uh, being part of an organisation where everyone... You know, everyone's part of running the show. And, and like, for me, when I first went along, I remember saying to Kate, so what do I do? How does this work? She said, you just follow Awa around. And that's what I did for my first kind of, you know, when I was there on Thursday mornings. And then over time, I kind of learned, I used to leave at 11.30 because Awa had to go home and have a nap. And I didn't realise that at about 11.35, everyone started cleaning up. And so I kind of, for quite a while, it was just sort of missing, you know, not kind of contributing a whole lot. Um, but I think that is also part of that, um, the wider place in Tefano is that you're being supported. You know, there are times when you're kind of more busy than other times, and and you can, there are times when you can contribute more. So um, you're kind of fully, like, taken in as part of that. Um, yeah, so I feel a yeah, I definitely feel part of this wider um, group of group of families. Mm. And I think too, um, that is true of the kids as well. So they will contribute in different ways over the period of their preschool years, and that to a kind of 
frame mm. is really great at play centre where the older children have leadership roles and actually the babies are being put to sleep on session and um, the mums might be breastfeeding and you know there's just a whole lot going on around raising children and having children in that environment is really is really real actually and children seeing adults support each other and support other people's children and that sort of um, yeah, that shared effort in mm. raising families. Actually, something I've also noticed is um, by going to play centre sessions, I get to see kids of all different ages and actually interact with them mm-hmm. um, in a way that I wouldn't if I was just hanging out with um, my friends' kids because mm-hmm. often they're the same age. Um, I might see them for an hour or so, but I wouldn't see them so regularly that I would kind of build that same relationship that I have built with some of these kids at Play Centre. And um, I think that's a real benefit, that seeing that whole age from kind of tiny baby up to five years old, rather than just seeing your 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 kid as they kind of progress through mm. that age range. Mm. Mm. Definitely, because like these days we often can be quite isolated from other people with children, Mm. at least initially and so you don't see all your other really extended family members bringing out little kids and that was an advantage for me I've got to say I I used to be terrified of the four-year-olds when I first came in so oh my god (laughs) since I've grown up the (laughs) four-year-olds but you know you learn about it and you're you're prepared to deal with it (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. shall we have since um all of us kind of, due to the absolutely pouring rain out there, kind of came in a bit discombobulated. I'm reckoning I'm just going to chuck on a placenta song. or Well, it's not now, but it will be. It will be. This is Fun and Funner, who are local um, children's band who I'm sure most people have heard of. I think I had a feeling that Flick's partner had something to do with making this album too. So I'm just going to put on Sharing is Fairing.
vibe is even better than sharing a negative jive. She's something so those around you feel great is the number one way to be a really great mate. Sharing is sharing. Welcome back to B-Side Stories, the stories of the people who make Wellington tick. That was Fun and Funner, who are a local Wellington band and, yeah, pretty awesome kiddie music and adult music, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, um, so we have in the studio, I'm Sadie Coe, and we also have Jessie Pirini and Kate Mitcalf. We've both been involved with Howden Valley Play Centre for varying amounts of time. So we've just been talking about um, how basically the, the whole whanau is involved with Play Centre. It's not really, the whole point of it isn't to get childcare for your kids as such. It's more of a family's learning together, which is the Play Centre motto. Mm. Um, I just wonder, is that something that particularly appealed to both of you? Or was it a surprise? Um, well, certainly that appealed to me. Um, when we started looking for somewhere to go, um, I realised that it was just as important for me to find somewhere I belonged as it was for me to find somewhere for my son where he might belong. Um, and some of the other parents that I met, particularly the, I guess the more experienced parents when I first started, have been some of my greatest teachers. And I still have friendships with a number of people I went through Play Centre with. And I feel like I can turn to them if I have parenting problems now with my 15-year-old. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Something to look forward to, Jessie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lots to come. Um, I, I was talking to Flick at Play Centre and she gave me this really great art book about kids' art. And uh, Penny Brownlee? Maybe, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> and there are these pictures of a kid's drawings. And the, the, the suggestion in the book is that you shouldn't try and evaluate kids' art and, and you know, don't go up to them and be like, hey, what are you drawing? Or, or, oh, that's great. Or just you're trying to encourage them to have a go and not to aim to draw the perfect cat. And so there's this great progression of pictures and it's a whole lot of different kinds of cat that kids have drawn. And one kid's emphasised the fuzziness, one kid's emphasised the claws. And I 
took those pictures and I took them to a class um, that I teach at the university and I showed the students these pictures and I said, I don't want you to aim for the perfect kind of cat in your assignments. I want you to, you know, show me your cat. Mm. And it actually has been, yeah, it was a really useful thing for students because often they're, you give them an assignment and they're saying, you know, what do you want me to do and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do it. Whereas actually you want them to explore different ideas and it's the exact same thing that you want little kids to do. Mm-hmm. And I've just found that really useful. Mm. Um, a lot of the perspectives at Play Centre about um, how, how kids experience the world are actually totally relevant for just ourselves as, as adults and also the students that I work with at the university. Mm. That segues so beautifully into a question I was going to ask later, which is about how your time at Play Centre has affected the rest of your life. Well, obviously, you're using it in your work. What exactly is your job at? Uh, so I'm a lecturer in the School of Management at uh, Victoria. Right. Mm. And Kate, what are you doing these days? So I work for the Green Party. Um, I trained as an environmental lawyer, but when I had had my children, I decided I didn't want to go back to the law. Um, And actually, having spent some time as a parent at home with my kids at Play Centre, I realised how important it was that I spend my professional life doing something that was consistent with my values. Of course, being an environmental lawyer was that, but um, I needed to continue along those veins and still have time to parent in the way I wanted. So yeah, I use some of the things I've learned at Play Centre in my work as well. Um, I guess Jessie referred earlier to um, consensus decision making and that is very much Green Party co-papa as well. So I was introduced to it at Play Centre and I've sort of deepened my knowledge and used my skills um, during my time at the Green Party. Um, But also, as well as that, I've also learnt to... um, to listen, I guess it's uh, consistent with consensus decision making, but listen to a plurality of views. So because Play Centre is a parents cooperative, everyone brings something different and that's what makes it a rich place and a supportive place and a tricky place at times because we all have different values and we have to negotiate how we use those when we do our shared parenting. Luckily, Play Centre provides us with a general framework with some core shared values, but all the time we're negotiating some of the detail. And I think that's true of the Green Party, which is a grassroots organisation where actually, again, that diversity of perspectives is what makes it rich and strong, but requires really active engagement and listening and sort of comprehension, I guess, deep comprehension, in order to work effectively with that range of views. I read a quote from well, a paraphrase, I suppose, from Nathan Wallace, the child development expert. Um, He said that Play Centre exemplifies the optimal conditions for supporting creativity, initiative and resourcefulness in children. And it really sounds like you guys uh, would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, totally. And like with my students at at the university, that same kind of um, encouraging them to have a go and, and to to make mistakes and they'll learn from them. It's, you know, we sort of say that we want people to do that, but we don't always provide the conditions to do that. And with mm-hmm. structured assessment, we can kind of crush that a little bit because I'm I'm going to say, hey, have a go, and then I'm going to give you an A, B, C, D grade at the end of it, which, you know, makes people be kind of tied up a bit and, and really cautious sometimes. 
Um, and I don't know how to deal with the assessment, but at least in class we can keep expressing that, that you should have a go and not just say it, but kind of show it. And I think that something about placing how you're always... Because, you know, it's not necessarily what you say to the kids, but how you um, are interacting with them, that you are demonstrating those kinds of like frameworks that you talked about, about kind of what Play Centre is all about. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, Play Centre also has those incredibly high adult-to-child ratios because of its appearance cooperative. When I was there, and I assume it's still the case, I think we were something like one to three, um, so one adult for every three children. And if you have that amount of adult-to-child ratio, then you can actually really follow a child's interest. Or you can really deeply explore your own. So when I was on place intercessions, we had people who were physiotherapists, and they might do work with kids around muscles, so whether that was exercises or actually even looking at models of muscles. Sometimes they might pick up muscles from the butchery at Pack and Save and bring them in and examine muscles. So a whole lot of different stuff from the physio. And meanwhile, we might have a naturopath. I remember a naturopath that was on session and she'd take the kids out and they'd collect kawakawa and they'd boil the kettle and they'd make kawakawa tea and they'd pour it at morning tea for everyone. So everyone was bringing what they had to offer, but also the children had something to offer. So... I mean, I loved fire, <laughs> and so did some of our children. So I seemed to spend a lot of time in the sand pit, digging holes, making volcanoes, and lighting fires. I think that was child-led, but I'm not always sure. <laughs> Can either of you share any classic play centre moments that you've experienced or that your children have experienced? I suppose volcanoes. <laughs> is a classic yeah, place I mean, centre experience. Volcanoes. I think too. Um, my experience of being on place at place centre was most of the adults went a long way to let the children explore their interests. So this might include, you know, whole body painting, or it might include sort of um, some quite advanced construction that, that would allow them, with ropes and ladders and things, that would allow them to climb up banks and into trees. And again, coming back to the ratio, and also that shared commitment to care, because we all, these were all of our children. I mean, I'm sure early childhood teachers care deeply too, but these were our children. And so we really wanted them to flourish, but we also valued safety, so we were letting them really extend themselves, but being right alongside them while they did that. So I have memories of all of that. I mean, I also have memories of the big emotions that go with being a preschooler and being a parent, and those times where you might have some big emotions in children, and you just gather up a bunch, and you you get your shoes on, and you go off-site, and you go for a stompy walk, and you look at numbers on letterboxes, and you just do what needs to be done to respond to the kind of emotions and the learning that's happening at any given time. Is that something that you would do in your workplace as well? Let's go for a stompy walk. <laughs> uh, I think actually there's no time like the time when you've got preschoolers and maybe I don't need stompy walks quite so much anymore. I think it helps you get into that um, kind of out of a, well, into a more relaxed mindset being at Play Centre because you... Yeah, you just have to you have to run with that vibe that's going on, and and go for a, a stompy walk or like look at a tree or something. Um, one story I remember is I don't know the point of the story, but anyway, so I was playing with some kind of toy, and 
another kid wanted to play with it and there was a bit of a kind of argument over it and and then I think Awa ended up with it and then about 10 minutes later Awa was outside and I remember I was sitting there and I looked over and this other kid came out and pushed her over and then ran away (laughs) and I just you know she was fine but I just kind of found it really interesting that um, he had kind of remembered and he was like I'm going to come and I'm going to come and get you (laughs) but the whole kind of group, we were sort of working, you know, everyone's thinking, how can we support this kid? What sort of, and, and both of them really, you know, they're both kind of developing this relationship, figuring out its boundaries, figuring out how things work and, and learning to take turns or to share. And within that kind of context, everything was fine. You know, there was nothing really negative about um, what was going on there. It was it was all part of them just developing and growing and um, yeah I, I just really enjoy that um, that part of play center mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah I mean I think that social learning was something that I really valued too and I remember it was before my uh, my oldest son was four but I remember a discussion being had when we were at play center about our children, whether they were ready for school, this readiness for school, this placing to provide it. And someone made the really good point, which was, you know, we are working on their self-esteem, their sense of themselves, their ability to express themselves and to exhibit curiosity and have that uh, nurtured and nourished. We are not practicing sitting on the mat they will learn that and they have many years of sitting on the mat ahead of them. And I thought, oh, so well put. We are not practising sitting on the mat here. <laughs> or drawing the perfect cat. Or drawing the perfect <laughs> yeah. cat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Whatever that may be. I'm going to pop another song on because you know I've got a few here and I want to get through them. Uh, There's another local band called The Utes and this is, it's just an instrumental actually called Hawkey Mai.
Welcome back to B-Side Stories. We're talking about Play Centre. I wanted to talk about both of you being involved with the bicultural side of Play Centre. Play Centre is very specifically bicultural, not multicultural, um, although I'm not sure if that's how it works out in practice. I mean, what do you think? I Well, so I was just thinking about what you were saying, Kate, about um, going to Kohanga. And I have looked at Kohanga because... I wanted a stronger um, language experience for Awa and Coco um, and myself really. But I kind of, I like aspirationally, I think that Play Center and this Reorua session that we run on Thursdays could really fit a kind of a different space where where Kohanga is, it, it does seem to be um, childcare where you drop off and you leave your kid there, coupled with and there's not a place in between that which is where you go with your kid and you have this um, te ao Māori experience with the reo um, at a high level um, and yeah how, so, so something I'm really interested in is how we can strengthen the, um, the reo speakers in our Thursday sessions and yeah, I don't know how to do that, but I think there actually are. I think there is actually quite a high standard of um, Maori in our um, Maori language in our Thursday session, and I feel like we kind of sometimes lack maybe the confidence to to just have a go and just to keep um, um, yeah speaking Maori to each other, and and I think also it would be good to find ways to inject fluent speakers into our session somehow and I think that's that's that would be really beneficial but also tricky. Yeah. Are you a fluent speaker yourself? No, I'm not a fluent speaker. Yeah. Like and I I think I would really benefit from being around fluent speakers. So I kind of I don't know what how you measure language levels, but I you know, I can hold a conversation, I can um yeah, I can understand lots of stuff and but with any language, you have to use it, and that's the thing I think mm. that um, and it's in the using and making yourself understood that's the kind of that's the key thing and so yeah being around other being around fluent speakers would just raise my level and everyone else's and be really good for the kids as well mm. is is that that session's not just our centre is it's not just Howard Valley Play Centre, it's other people as well coming from other centres, is that right? Yeah, I mean, Kate, do you know more about how they were set up? Uh, yes, it has a bigger catchment and certainly some people only come to the Thursday session, mm. but they become a member of Houghton Valley Play Centre because Houghton Valley Play Centre, that is one of our centre sessions. Mm. Yeah. So for that session, you know, they are, for all intents and purposes... Part of our centre, yeah. I think, in the running of our centre, which relies on the contribution of all the families, I think there's a bit of leniency for those families that might be contributing to another centre on the other days, and therefore contributing to the operation of that centre, and maybe the expectations aren't the same. But that's a tricky thing, when you actually, for the running of your centre, need the co- contribution of your adult community, so I'm not sure how that's best managed. It feels like... I mean, I should say my right at the moment. I'm not. I'm no longer a play centre parent because my children are both at high school. 
but I'm working at Play Centre now. I've come back, <laughs> which is really neat, um, just doing admin. And it feels like there's a lot of people on session now, which is great. So perhaps it's not needed that some of those other people are contributing who are from other centres as much. Cause it feels relatively strong. It was strong when you and I were there too, Kate. But, mm. um, is this the, you mean the Thursday session? Yeah, and, and actually all the sessions all, have... Yeah. There's quite a few quite committed adults, so... Yeah. I guess the wonderful thing, too, about having a centre with a bicultural or bilingual session... I mean, I'd like to think all our sessions are bicultural to a certain extent. Certainly uh, all the parents were very well, well-meaning well when I was there and really wanted to learn more and include it in the programme. But by having a bilingual bicultural session on a Thursday... Um, the plan was, the hope was, that that seeds real through our centre in a way that we didn't have it before. We had some of it. Um, we were trying to introduce more, but by having uh, one session dedicated to the learning of real and the sharing of real and the celebration of Māori language, te reo, um, then that would enrich the other sessions too. Mm. And I think, I'm coming back to your question, Sadie. So you asked about biculturalism at Play Centre. Um, I guess New Zealand is unique. Māori are tangata whenua here, the people of the land. Uh, New Ze- the Play Centre supports the Māori version of te tiriti o waitangi, which um, sees, you know, sees partnership and certainly... Um, the sharing of power, which has been held so tightly by those who have benefited from colonialism. Um, and I think Play Centre is working really hard to try and uh, give effect to some of those things. And to me, and just to um, be clear, I'm not Māori. I'm very committed to biculturalism as a Pākehā New Zealander. My partner happens to be Māori, but if he was Pākehā, I also would be committed to it. Um, and I think it's really enriching for all our children, whatever their culture, to have that increased sense of belonging in this place, which comes from knowing and sharing in the rich culture that is Māori culture, Māori language. So I see it as a real privilege to share those things with all of our children. Um, yeah, and, I'm, and we know, I mean, from a... From a learning point of view, we know any language learnt enables children to learn language more easily. So um, I'm really supportive of Māori language being taught in primary schools as well, and I see that as um, overall an, an enhancement of children's learning ability. Mm, definitely. And I mean, speaking for ourselves, when we got to primary school, because we'd had a little bit of terrarium play centre, we were then pushing for that as well. So it flows on, has a flow-on effect, I think. Mm. Actually, Houghton Valley Play Centre is quite lucky because Houghton Valley School, which is a short bush walk away, very near to the centre, um, is quite supportive of the centre's bilingual initiatives. And twice the school has hosted Māori language night classes for the school and the play centre in an effort to lift the Māori language levels across the whole community. I wanted to clarify what I said about it being bicultural rather than multicultural. That is not to say that, you know, other cultures aren't celebrated at Play Centre. It's just that the the real commitment is to the two cultures of New Zealand, representing the treaty. Um, 
but I know that during my time there we were celebrating all sorts of other cultures and cultural traditions. So, Yeah, and I would um, almost say that, crudely speaking, the two cultures that are encapsulated in the treaty are Māori culture and then everyone else who, by mm. virtue of the treaty, has had the privilege of coming and living in this place. So... Um, to me, that's a very broad range, a melting pot of cultures, but there's this binary, which mm. is Māori and the rest of us that came after. If Play Centre didn't exist, um, what do you think we would lose as a culture in New Zealand? That's a big question, I know. Oh, just so much. Like, And, and that's why I was really... Um, kind of frustrated when I heard about the funding and the kind of disparity and, and putting all this money into um, uh, I think we kind of Kate you brought this up a little bit uh, this idea of the kind of socio-economic situation and maybe how the world has changed a little bit where we have to um, you know often you have to have two parents working so that you can kind of just survive and so play centre doesn't, isn't necessarily an option for people, but it's also not being supported to maybe to be a better option. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I sort of wonder if that level of, you know, two parents working to survive, well, for some people that's true, but for a number of us, our material desires have sort of gone through the roof. So it's sort of something beyond survival. We're mm. looking for the best of things. We're looking to upgrade things. But all of that um, material aspiration comes at the cost of some of the other things. And one of the things that it often comes at the cost of is time with our children. Mm. I sort of feel like there's another thing about that wanting to work in paid work. That's why it's like our culture values. That's how we assign value to ourselves. Like, do you have a job? How much do you earn? Mm. Um, and so Play Centre is another good thing for me is it kind of shows you the value of not working, you know, and how lucky you are to be able to spend that time with your kids. Mm. And that you are you're, you are working. Right? They're working. They're playing. And that's their work. And you're working by facilitating that play. And a different model of organising. You know, I think I was saying at the start that when I first went to Play Centre, I didn't understand the transaction, right? Like, who runs this place, you know? Who do I, who do I pay, right? Like, who's, who's giving the service here? And, and I think we're quite, um, we're quite kind of infested by this, by this approach of, like, I pay, I get something, you know, that should be of a certain standard mm. and, you know, I'm entitled to that because I paid for it. Um, and not being part of this um, different way of basically organising mm. where you're all contributing and it's it's kind of produced and owned by everyone. Um, and, yeah, that sort of different role. And I, I really don't know if I had a good sense of that. Maybe I just haven't been a kind of good community member. But, um, yeah, there's kind of different type of organisation. I think it's really easy to become um, someone who works from nine till five and outside of those hours you can you know, kind of rush off and buy the things you need to buy to stay alive. Um, and you're just part of many, many institutions that are very transactional. Hmm. Yeah. And I think what Sadie said of volunteerism not being uh, highly valued, actually. 
either in our systems, so we don't measure volunteerism or the contribution despite the fact we have so many people keeping our societal wheels running through volunteerism, or that sort of um, sort of fundamental well-being that comes from making connections that are about something other than the transaction you're talking about, GC. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So with over 420 centres around New Zealand, hopefully some cultural change may come out of the place centre movement, which, as I say, has been around since 1941, um, which I'm kind of proud as a New Zealander that it was created here and it's spread to Japan so far. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate treaty values <laughs> and te whariki and the yeah. curriculum. Yeah. Actually, um, I've come back to te whariki, the early yeah. childhood. I know that's not unique to play centre, but te whariki, the early childhood curriculum, is such a great um, frame for anything, I must say, <laughs> that idea of sort of belonging and building up from there and getting to sort of communication and contribution. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I use that in my work. Uh, it's like, yeah, I mean the same story again. You can use that with with, with students at university yeah. level. Um, yeah, and I mean one thing I'm really interested in is how do we how do we strengthen our place into organisations um, so that they they run well and that we we assist people to start to belong and then mm. start to contribute and communicate. Um, I don't know more easily, more effectively, or or um, yeah, so that yeah, I don't know how to do that, but I think there's there's probably scope to kind of think about those things. We don't have much time left, but we haven't actually talked about the whole edu- adult education side of Play Centre. That there are actual NZQA courses that you can do, and and actually, I think by the time you've done up to course three or whatever, aren't you at the same level as a qualified ECE teacher? No. Well, maybe you just feel like you are. <laughs> well, I certainly feel like you're qualified in the general sense of the word as a sure. teacher. But yeah, that, I mean, that tra- I don't know if you've done some of that training, GC, but it is pretty amazing. And like you said earlier on, in terms of learning to be a parent, there are very few places you can go and very few sort of support groups available in your own community that make... Um, being a parent easier and mm. um, enable you to be more effective in that really important role. Mm. And that placing to training is pretty awesome. Mm. And that's free training. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you get to see it being implemented at Play Centre by people who are further along that track than yourself. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, well, thank you so much, you guys, for coming in and a pouring, wet, miserable day to talk about Play Centre. <laughs> Thank you. Our pleasure. It was an inspiring conversation. (laughs) Thank you to Kate and Jessie. Um, We'll only get a little bit of this song, but I have to put it on. Um, This is a song that was the favourite of one of the Play Centre children when I was there, and he knew all the words. Um, So this is a shout-out to Jed Timmons, the wreck of the diddly. Was a bright summer's day back in 1859. No, it wasn't. It was 1863. And we sailed on the good ship, my darling Clementine. No, we didn't. It was Mary Jane Marie. Then came a storm, a typhoon, I recall. And the waves, they crashed all around. They were 20 foot high and they looked us in the eye. And we thought to a man. Drown. We thought we died, diddly, died, diddly, 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 diddly,
Magoo Who saw the rocks ahead No it wasn't, it was old man John McGee And the captain steered to port And we headed into land No we didn't, it was starboard out to sea Then was a mighty crack A terrible sickening sound The brave mast came a-tumbling down The salted stung her eyes that program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks, New Zealand On Air, for funding accessmedia.nz.